need an appointment, amen? Amen. Father, you are worthy of it all. Right now, Father, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our wills to receive your word. As you prepare us, Father, we give Pastor Walker to you right now. Father, anoint him, anoint his tongue, anoint his body, anoint his mind right now to deliver your word. For he is your chosen vessel, and we thank you for Pastor Walker. So use him right now for your designated purpose. Your man of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen.
remember uh, Howard uh, Youngblood, uh, Cheryl Youngblood's husband, who's going through some health challenges, but it's going to be all right because we're going to pray for him. Amen, somebody. Let's remember our sick and our shut-ins. And I don't want to stop calling names because I might miss somebody, but you know who they are. Amen, somebody. I have a message today from the Lord. I started out with this message and I had to change it uh, in midstream because God was talking to me. I thought I heard him correctly, but evidently I didn't. And so I kind of threw it away what I had. And I said, God, I'm listening to you. That's why I played that song. God is trying to tell us something. I keep saying over and over, uh, God is worthy of praise. And God should get the glory. God should be worshipped on a regular basis. When we hear the word sleep, we tend to think of it as a good thing. After all, the body requires so many hours of sleep, depending on our age or the amount of activity we are doing. Sleep is necessary for us healthy life and life itself really but there are many ways we can interpret the word sleep and there are also times when we should be awakened when we are asleep you see I am convinced that among many other things sleep is one of the greatest enemies of our church the church of the living God. Now, there are people throughout the churches of our world who are asleep and don't even know it. They are sleeping when they ought to be awake. I want us to consider the parable of the ten young women found in Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. And I'll read it to your hearing. Said at the time the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Once there were ten young women who took their oil lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and the other five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any extra oil with them, while the wise ones took containers full of oil for their lamps. The bridegroom was late in coming, so they began to nod and fall asleep. It was already midnight when the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come and meet him. The ten young women woke up and trimmed their lamps. Then the foolish ones said to the wise ones, Let us have some of your oil because our lamps are going out. No, indeed, the wise ones answered, there is not enough for you and for us. 
Go to the store and buy some for yourself. So the foolish ones went off to buy some oil, and while they were gone, the bridegroom arrived. The five who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was closed. Later the others arrived, Sir, sir, let us in, they cried out. Certainly not, I don't know you, the bridegroom answered. And Jesus concluded, watch out then, because you do not know the day or the hour. You don't know the day or the hour. There are many who are today who are sleeping and their lamps are going out and they have no oil to replenish them. It is the enemy's job to get us to fall asleep and to stay asleep. It is his job to drain us of all our spiritual nourishment and try to put the thing that should be our top priority at the bottom of the list and to put the things that are not as important at the top of the list. In our sermon text of the day, Jesus makes a couple of profound statements. We want to look at these statements and we want to broaden them and show how they relate to us today. When I say us, I mean the churches of today. Jesus had a particular meaning to them for the situation he was facing then. But they are certainly applicable to what is going on in our churches for today. In other words, there is a double meaning we can take from them. And so I want to talk with you today, continue with our mini sermon series entitled The Compassion of Jesus. Last week was part one under the title Compassion for the Families, and we looked at John chapter 11, verses 1 to 8. And today our title will be Compassion for Those Who Are Asleep, part two. And our text will be John chapter 11, verses 9 through 16, but our concentration will be on verses 9 through 11. We will look at how to avoid sleeping in verses 9 and 10, and if we are asleep, we'll see how to wake up in verse 11. I'm going to ask Minister Lord if you will come at this time to read our text of the day. If you have any electronic equipment or anything on, I ask that you would please uh, turn it off so we can hear God's word. Amen. Lazarus has fallen asleep, 
but I will go and wake him up. The disciples answered, If he is asleep, Lord, he will get well. Jesus meant that Lazarus had died, but they thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, but for your sake I am glad that I was not with him, so that you will believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all go along with the teacher so that we may die with him. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My job as pastor is to lead you to heaven. I said my job as pastor is to lead you to heaven. It is not to entertain you. It is not to show you how much I know or don't know. It's not to show you that I need no Greek or Hebrew. My job is to lead you to heaven. And I am held responsible for that in the eyes of God. And woe with me if I don't do it. Of course, I have no intention of disappointing God as long as I can help it. God kind of switched my sermon around because I was going a different way. And God said, no, I want this to be said. One thing we must realize is that God is worthy to be worshipped. It is not something we do top time. It is not something we do when we feel like it. It is not something we do when things are not going well. It is something that we should be doing all the time. We should be worshipping God 24-7 in our own way. When Jesus mentioned Lazarus sleeping in verse 11, which we'll get to shortly, he means Lazarus is dead. But if we look at the broader range of sleeping, it means those who are around the light, Jesus, but are sleeping. It means those throughout the churches of the world who attend every now and then and then just to say that they have been in the church. It also means those who come to church but find some church work to do to miss worship service. God will be worshiped either for us or in spite of us. Because if we don't worship God, then the rocks will cry out. If we don't worship God, then the trees out there will bow down and start worshiping God. God demands our worship and he earns our worship. If you think when you woke up this morning, it wasn't your alarm clock that woke you up. It wasn't because you were supposed to get up. It's because God in his grace and mercy allowed you to get up this morning. If he didn't, you would be dead. Just saying. Then there are those who do not come or come only every now and then and say, I am 
not going because I'm not fed. Well, this depends on what they want fed, their feelings or their souls. If it is their feelings, they can go, they can go to the music concert, they can go to the movies, they can go to the sports games. But if the soul is to be fed, it will be fed from the word of God. I said if the soul is to be fed, it will be fed from the word of God and only from the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 15 uh, tells us these words. But how can they call to him for help if they have not believed? And how can they believe if they have not heard the message? And how can they hear if the message is not proclaimed? We will find nowhere in the Bible where God sent out the prophets, all the apostles, to entertain people to feed their feelings. He sent them out to convict people's souls so they would turn to him. He didn't send them out to be popular. He didn't send them out to, so people could say, look how great they are. Or, look how good they preach or don't preach. He didn't send them out to say, oh, look at the words he speaks. He sent them out to convict people's souls. Not only convict people's souls, but to convict their own souls. I keep saying, I keep saying over and over again, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an apostle, but I keep saying over and over again, the rapture is imminent. It's closer than you think it is. God will have those who worship him in spirit and in truth. For after all, everything we've owned, everything we've done, God has supplied it to us. Not because we deserve it, because in his great love and his great mercy, he gave it to us. And all he asks of us is to worship him in spirit and truth. Now in order for the soul to be fed, we have to bring our knives and forks. In other words, we have to prepare ourselves for being fed. You can't wake up on, 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 a, on a Sunday morning after you've been out all Saturday night and come in here and, and expect for someone to feed your souls. You have to be in a prayer mode. You have to realize that I'm going to church and I'm going to church to worship the living God. The one who has kept my family and me in a health and strength. The one who has put food in my table. The one who has given me a job to worship. I'm going to worship him. Not because he desires, because I want to worship him, because he has been good to me. When my family was sick, he healed them. He heard my prayers. And he answered them. The least I can do is come into your worship service and worship him in spirit and truth. Not come to be entertained, but to worship him. Why? Because he is worthy of worship. That's why. You see, the reason we come to church is to worship God. 
We don't come to church to while we're in church, while we're worshiping God, we happen to hear the choir sing or the preacher preach. But our main reason to come to church is to worship God. That's what we come to church for. To worship God. We don't come to see how quiet, how good the choir can sing or how good the preacher can preach. We come because God has been good to us and we come to worship Him. Even if it wasn't a choir to sing or it wasn't a preacher to preach, we would still come to church to worship Him. Maybe that's what we should do. Just come to worship Him. There's no preacher, no singer. Just come to worship God because He's worthy of all the worship we can give Him. I said earlier, a lot of our people have been sick. And God in his grace and mercy put them all on the hill and they're all mending our healing. Why? Because God is merciful. That's why. God heard our prayers and they're healing. Or they've been healed. He didn't have to do that. So let me help me here. God is trying to tell us something. We don't come to be entertained. We don't come to feel good. We come to try to be good. You see, it's the pastor's job not entertain you but to, to sustain you in the word of God my job is to wake up those who are sleeping whoever they might be no one gets to heaven by feeling good we get to heaven by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and living our lives accordingly. That's how we get to heaven. Consider Judas, who's taking care of the money. Everybody else was in the church, meeting at the feet of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus was saying, and Judas was taking care of the money. You see how he missed out. That's one thing I'm so proud of our finance committee here. When the money goes up there, they pray over the money. Oh, somebody help me here. Somebody help me here. They pray over it. So it doesn't matter we have a lot of money or a little money. When they pray over it, God hears that prayer and he'll stretch that money out where it's supposed to be. Even if we don't tithe, he still trusts that money out. We have to realize God doesn't need our tithe. He doesn't need that. Our tithe is to show worship to God and tell God we are appreciative of what he's done for us. That's why we tithe, because God has been good to us. God can take $5 and stretch it like it's $500 if he has, he has the power to do that. God can take two or three people and make it seem like it's a thousand people. He has the power to do that. We can't be about doing churchy things. We've got to be about worshiping God. We have to worship God. 
If we're not going to be able to worship the God, then we ought to close the door to the church. And let somebody turn into an Elks Club or a YMC or whatever. God must be and he shall be worshipped. Chapter Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42. You'll see this here. As Jesus and the disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down at the feet of the Lord and listened to his teaching. Martha was upset over all the work she had to do. So she came and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister had left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing. And it will, be, it will not be taken away from her. Our main purpose of church is to worship God. Amen. Everything else is secondary. It might be needed. I'm not saying it's not needed because it is needed. But our main priority is to come together as a church and worship God. That's what our priority is. We'll always be that. It's not to worship the choir, not to worship the preacher, not to worship those who are wearing clothes, not to wearing those who are giving the most money. It's coming to worship God. That's what coming to church is about. We have to wake up and I say we I'm talking about no I'm talking about everybody. All the churches have to wake up. I told you I was on going another way with this, but but, but, it, but he spoke to my heart and, and, and I'm not gonna disappoint him. God puts in my heart, that's what I'm gonna do. Now the question is now when I, now uh, how do we how can we avoid going to sleep? And Jesus gives us the answer in verses 9 and 10 of our sermon text for the day as he answers the question of his disciples in verse 8 where they say, and I paraphrase, they were going to stone you in Judea and you're going back? That's what the disciples asked Jesus, told Jesus. And Jesus answered them in, in verses 9 and 10 was this, listen to this, he said, and a day has 12 hours, doesn't it? So those who walk in broad daylight do not stumble, sleep, for they see the light of the world. But if they walk during the night, they stumble because they have no light. What Jesus is saying is this here. This allotted time of my ministry is not yet finished. I shall be saved in Judea, and so will you. But my lot of time, when my lot of time is over, then I shall be in danger of death, and you will be also. What Jesus is saying is, I'm on God's timetable. I'm on his time clock. And God has given me a lot of time to do such and such a thing. And nothing's going to happen to me until I do it. 
no matter who's in Judea. And in the same way, we are on God's timetable. God expects us to do a certain amount of ministering until the time that he calls us home. And low as us, if we go home and have nothing to show for except for just coming and sitting in the pews and not doing anything else. Low as us, if we don't come and worship God and, and worship God in spirit and truth, we have to build up our collateral. You see, we are all on God's time clock and we cannot afford to be sleeping. We need to be operating in His will and on His timetable. And it, it all starts with worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. We ought to wake up on Sunday morning and say, I can't wait to get in church because I'm going to worship God. Because all during the week, God has been good to me. And I'm going on Sunday, and least I can do is go into the church, into the sanctuary, and worship Him. Whether the preacher's there or not there. Whether the choir is there or not there. I'm going to worship God. I don't need a whole lot of things to worship God. I'm going to worship God. Why? Because He's been good to me, and I wasn't worth it. I'm not worth it, but He's still been good to me. Nobody else would even look at me, but God picked me up out of the gutter and cleaned me off and put new clothes on me. And when I was sick, when I got it from that, God is the one that healed me. The doctors didn't even know how to do it, but God was the one who healed me. They had to stand by and watch God do it. Church, you gotta wake up. Yes, there is church work that we need to be doing and we should be doing that. But we have to do it according to God's will and his timetable. When it's time to worship God, we should worship God. Everything else is, 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 is secondary according to that. Everything comes, we're worshiping God. So how do we fall asleep? Uh, avoid falling asleep by operating God's will and his timetable. And we find that out by consistently worshiping him in worship services together and constantly praying and studying God's word together. I hear someone say, well, Pastor, you say all this because you just want us to come to church. Yes, that's true. But even more importantly, I want us to worship God together in this sanctuary. I don't want us to have to find things to do to stop from coming in here to worship God. God is worthy of our praise. And I keep saying it over and over again because it's true. When I think of how good God has been to me just by myself, not only has he allowed me to see my kids grow up, but he's allowed me to see my grandchildren on their way up. There was a time when I thought that would never happen because I come from a family that dies young. But God, in his grace and his mercy, allowed it to happen. So even if he never does another thing from the, he 
Now, we've seen how those who are asleep can avoid sleeping. Let us see how, how can I wake up, Pastor? How can we wake up? Well, I'm glad you asked that because Jesus answered that in verse 11. But Thomas, the sermon text, he said, Jesus said this, and then he added, How can Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and wake him up? Jesus means that Lazarus has died and he is going to raise him from the dead. And just as Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he can also raise those who are asleep when it comes to prioritizing their commitment to God, such as worshiping God with their brothers and sisters in Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 8, verses 28 through 40, there's an interesting narrative about Philip and an Ethiopian official that speaks to the point of prioritizing our time. An angel of the Lord tells Philip to get ready and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip went as he was instructed. And he found this Ethiopian eunuch who was very important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. And he was on his way home and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit told Philip to go over to the carriage and stay close by it. <laughs> you see, the official was in worship, it was in worship service. Anytime we are reading our Bibles, we are in worship service. You see, this official was prioritizing his commitments. He was in charge of the Queen's huge treasury. It would seem to me that he would be checking the queen's treasury and making sure everything was in order so when he finally got home to the queen, all her finances would be in order. And I am sure at some point he did just that, but that came after he spent some time in worship service. Reading God's word. He had his priorities in the right order. That is why the Holy Spirit sent Philip alongside him to help him out. You see, there are blessings that come when we are in worship service. God speaks to us through the sermons, through the music, and through the singing, and through the Holy Spirit. We sometimes find answers to complexities in our lives when we come together and worship to God. Because the Holy Spirit is present and he might tell you something that you didn't know before. He might just tell you something that will change your whole life. But you have to be in worship together. You have to be in worship. There is something about coming together as brothers and sisters to worship God that we cannot get watching church services on the TV or listening to sermon podcasts or doing church work during God's time. Now, I realize that, that there are times that we cannot worship together when there's sickness and, and things come up in our lives, and, and I realize that, and so does God. And so it happens that the official was reading out of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, but he did not understand what he was reading. Philip explained to him the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And upon hearing the good news of Jesus, he desired to be baptized right away. <laughs> I am sure his queen told him to hurry back home with the treasury he was carrying, but that had to wait because his first priority was to solidify his relationship with Jesus. He wanted to be baptized immediately. You see, our relationship with God is a, is a tremendous experience. All the other religions look for God, do something for God. They want to do something to have a relationship with God. But God looks to have a relationship with us. There is nothing greater than having a relationship with the Lord. And when we come together and worship, God says, we're two or three together in my name. I'm in the midst of them. People that come to worship service and have gotten healed and don't even know and go home and say, oh, I'm feeling better. So after being baptized, Philip, he went on his journey full of joy. You see, whenever we put a tent in worship service with our brothers and sisters first, God sends us a Philip who will be standing close by. Nothing but good can happen when we are in worship with God together on a regular basis. How do I know this? Well, Scripture tells me so. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses and Aaron and his sons, along with seven of the elders, were in worship to God on Mount Sinai, and they saw God. And Acts 4, the text tells us that the believers were all together in one place, worshiping and praying to God, and the building started shaking, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to proclaim God's message with boldness. And I cannot think of anything more important than worshiping God together, because all that is all we will be doing in heaven. When we get to heaven, the only thing we're going to be doing is worshiping God 24-7, day and night, just worshiping God. That's all we're going to be doing. And if we can't do it down here, why do we want to go to heaven if we can't do it down here? There's not going to be nothing on the side to do, or i got to go here, i got to run an errand. No, we're going to stand in front of God just worshiping God night and day, just worshiping Him. And if I can't get used to doing it down here, then I don't need to be in heaven. Because that's all I'm going to be doing. And so I'm going to make sure that I get my practice in down here. So when I get there, I can just worship him in spirit and truth. That's why God says a, the, the road is narrow. The road is narrow. And many, many will not find it. Because many are distracted by other things when they ought to be worshiping me. If we come together and worship God in this sanctuary and spirit and truth, God will shake this building. He'll shake this building. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God, God loves to be worshipped. He loves people to worship Him in spirit and truth. And no matter what is going on in our lives, God can fix it. Don't be worried about what's behind us. God got that covered. He said, just come and worship me and I'll take care of all the other things that's going on in your household. 
And I thank him. I thank him that I'm at least able to open my mouth and worship him. I'm going to worship him while I have time to worship him. There's going to be a day come when I won't be able to worship him. But I'll be worshiping him in heaven. But while I've got my health and strength, while I've got a mouth to talk to, I'm going to worship God. And I don't care who knows it. I'm going to worship God because he's worthy of all praises. He's my God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.